Thank you, Gene. Morning, church. Glad to be with you for another Sunday and for our worship together as a church family. Um, next Sunday evening, we have a congregational meeting and a pitch-in. Um, if you haven't been to one of these, this is a great way to meet other people in our church and experience a little bit of our hospitality as a body of believers. And for that to keep happening, uh, we as a church actually have to keep on making new relationships and meeting new people. So I just want to exhort all of you who maybe have been to a number of these. Um, it's easier as you get to know friends and build relationships to, to turn inward to the, those you already know. But let's always be looking for at least one or two people we haven't met and find an opportunity to welcome them into our fellowship. As we do so, we are actually reflecting the values of heaven itself, where we will find warm welcome on the day when we arrive, when we die in Christ Jesus. And that's where we turn our attention to this morning as we continue our series of life after death. Uh, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians 5, 6 through 8, looking at what it means to be present with the Lord in our home of heaven. Let's begin with a word of prayer. Uh, Jesus, would you help us to set our minds on the things above, where you are, to help us even fill our hearts using a, a sanctified imagination to, to think about that moment when we will see you face to face, when we'll be welcomed and honored and enveloped into the body of believers that has put their hope in you and now sees that hope to be something sturdy and true, that we will be with you in the paradise of heaven, our home. We pray this in your mighty name. Amen. Thinking about sentiment and what happens after you die, this image of home comes up. And where best to turn for a sentimental image of home than to country music? Uh, Precious put me onto this one, a Miranda Lambert song, The House That Built Me. Um, it describes a longing for a house that she grew up in, lovingly built by her daddy. It had a swing out back, a special room just for her. It even has a, a burial site for a beloved dog. It's a true country song. And embedded in it is this longing for home, a place of safety and rest and welcome and fellowship. Here's a few words from it. You leave home, you move on, and you do the best you can. I got lost in this whole world and forgot who I am. I thought if I could touch this place or feel it, this brokenness inside me might start healing. Out there, it's like I'm somewhere else. I thought maybe I could find myself. There's a longing for home embedded in each of us. Uh, uh, maybe you've had a wonderful earthly home. And like a country music song, you just have these fond memories and sentiments that make you feel like if you could only get back to that place of safety and rest and welcome, everything would be all right. Uh, for many of us, home has not been an easy, maybe it's even an elusive concept. Uh, maybe like some people I've talked with, you moved literally dozens of times. Or make you, maybe you come from a home that's broken in some way. 
And yet, I think country music songs like that one resonate for a reason. There's a longing in our hearts to be brought to a place that we call home. And that longing is meant to lead us to a heavenly home with Jesus. Uh, so the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, all right, we're just going to be looking at three verses, verses 6 through 8, which zero in on this question of what happens after a Christian dies. And, and here's the main point for the morning. After your life is over, you will live with your Lord in his heavenly home. After your life is over, you will live with your Lord in his heavenly home. That's a reason to rejoice and even to have courageous faith, as we'll see. And we'll move through this passage in two sections, uh, first in six through eight. We'll see coming home, coming home, and then in verse seven, courageous faith, courageous faith. Let's begin in six through eight, uh, coming home. Since we haven't been studying the book of 2 Corinthians, let me just give you a, a little bit about the letter. Uh, the Apostle Paul wrote it to the Corinthian church during a time when he had a bit of a credibility problem. Um, the, this church had been increasingly influenced by this group called super apostles that were preaching a message of uh, victorious living and power. They looked at the Apostle Paul and his imprisonments and his sufferings and his weakness of body and they said, surely this means there's something spiritually defective with him. Well, as Paul sees this influence growing on the Corinthians, he, he writes this letter trying to remind them of the basics of the gospel and win them back so that they might trust the, the teaching that he gave them from the beginning. He reminds them that from the beginning, the message of Jesus is one of suffering that there will be no crown without first a cross. And that means that there is much suffering that a Christian should endure in this world. Uh, we're in the part of the letter where he begins to counterbalance those sufferings with the weightier things that are coming in eternity. Uh, by comparison, all the trials and troubles of this world are like a light momentary affliction because what's coming is so much weightier. Now, chapter 5, he starts using this image of a home to describe what's coming for a Christian. And in 1 through 5, which we won't look at this morning, uh, that home imagery is used to describe the resurrection home you will one day inhabit, the, the resurrected body that will, is fit to, to uh, inherit a resurrected world under the lordship of our resurrected Jesus. Uh, we'll come to that topic the next two weeks in our study. Uh, but for this morning, we're going to zero in on verses 6 through 8, which deal with a matter more immediate than the one-day resurrection of the body and resurrection of the cosmos and the reigning of our resurrected Lord Jesus over it all. It deals with this question of what happens when you die. Uh, Paul shifts the metaphor, again using ha home, but instead of describing the resurrection, talking about what um, author Randy Alcorn describes as present heaven. Uh, now, I just want to give you two categories that will be helpful for the rest of our series. When you read your Bible, when it describes heaven, 
and being with God. And what happens after you die? There are two different heavens you have to think of. Uh, There is future heaven. That's the second coming of Jesus and the resurrection. That's Revelation 21. And then there is present heaven. Uh, Present heaven is where God and his angels live. It is that place of purity and peace. Uh, The the, the place where all Christians go after they die and enjoy the fellowship with Jesus and all the other Christians that have preceded them in death. Uh, Present heaven is a great comfort. And there are just a few passages, probably about seven, I would say, that clearly speak about it in the Bible. This is one of them. Uh, We can see how Paul describes it in verse 6. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. While we are at home in our body, we are away from the Lord. Uh, At home in the body clearly is talking about you inhabiting, living in your earthly body. That's what all of us are experiencing right now, this morning. But then he has that curious phrase that we are away from the Lord. How, how does that happen? I mean, didn't Jesus promise that he would come and live with us? That even by the Holy Spirit, he and the Father would dwell within us? How, how can a Christian be described as being away from the Lord? Well, thankfully, Paul explains in the parallel statement in verse 8, yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Uh, the Verses 6 through 8 are parallels. They both start with being of good courage. Uh, but then the logic is exactly inversed. In one, you are at home in the body and away from the Lord. and the other, you are away from the body and you are home with the Lord. Uh, what's being described here is your life in present heaven. Uh, immediately after you die. Uh, your body ceases to be your home. Uh, From that moment, your soul returns to your maker. And if you're a Christian, it's welcomed into the courts of heaven, greeted by Jesus and his angels to come and enjoy the paradise that is yours. Now, there is a lot of speculation and even a good bit of mystery about what it is like to be in present heaven. Uh, Which is why, in fact, there's an entire cottage industry that has sprung up of stories of people that have claimed to have gone there and come back again. Uh, You may have heard of uh, books and TV shows where someone claims to have had a near-death experience. And uh, they say that for 90 minutes, I was in heaven. Or for two minutes, I was in heaven. I've come back to tell you heaven is for real. Now, there's been a lot of people that have made a lot of money selling stories like that. Um, Now, I don't know any of those people personally, and yet I think if you are a student of the Bible, you should be very skeptical about those sorts of stories for for two reasons. One, uh, Jesus was from heaven, and he saw fit to only tell us a very little bit about what present heaven is like. I think that's for a reason. Uh, Two, the, the very same author, the Apostle Paul He tells of being caught up into heaven, having a a true there and back experience in heaven, and yet he was commanded not to speak about it. I'm just saying, if Paul's told not to talk about it, probably we shouldn't either. 
there's a good bit of mystery about what our lives are like in present heaven. And yet, what details we do have are enough to fill a mind and a heart with a sort of majestic vision that can lift you and give you hope. Uh, so we're going to do something a little different at this point, that I'm going to run through what I think are the clearest passages talking about what it's like to be in present heaven in your Bible. It's going to be six passages, and I'm just going to read them. They'll be up on the slides behind me. And then I'm just going to give you literally one word with the briefest of all explanations possible of what this shows us of what it'll be like. Think of it like a canvas with different colors. We're just putting on one or two strokes at a time. And if you're the type that needs to write everything down, don't fret. This will be in the e-news later. You can see every single reference and the labels I put on them and dwell on them without worry. So with that anxiety aside, come with me on this journey. So the first passage is Hebrews chapter 12, verse 23. And in fact, there's two truths from this one. It says, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. Uh, the first truth we see from this is that there is a sort of fellowship in heaven. Uh, there is an assembly of the firstborn. That's the same word that's used for church, the gathering of the believers up in the heavenly church around the throne of God. If you enjoy the high, heights of love and warmth, the fellowship in your church, then you will love what you will find in present heaven. Uh, the second thing is there's perfection in that same verse. Uh, the spirits of the righteous made perfect. I think the way to understand that is that all the souls of the believers who have entered heaven are instantly, at that moment, freed from the remaining sin in their lives and made perfectly holy. If you have sorrow over your sin in this world, know this. When you enter into present heaven, your struggle against sin will be over in a moment. Next passage is Luke 4, 23. Jesus hanging on the cross. He said, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus speaking to a man he had just met. A man who had, in just a, a brief moment, put his faith in Jesus. Trusted him. And Jesus promises he will be with him in paradise. Paradise. That's what's promised for you when you enter present heaven. Uh, maybe it's an allusion to the Garden of Eden. Uh, certainly it means that heaven is a place of refreshment, uh, a place of plenty. Uh, whatever you'll find there, it'll be as good as the best earthly paradise and then some. Next one, Revelation 14, 13. You'll find rest there. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, write this, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds follow them. Uh, as with all the verses related to Revelation, there's lots of dispute about exactly when this is happening. Uh, but regardless, I don't think it's wrong to draw the conclusion that this is what all believers experience. When when you die, there is no more struggle against sin. Uh, no more 
weakness of your bodily frame. Uh, You enter into a rest for your soul, not as if you're asleep and unaware, but you no longer need to strive, and you can now be refreshed in the presence of your Savior. Next one, Philippians 1, 23. This one, we see that there's a better life waiting for you. Apostle Paul says, I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desires depart to be with Christ, for that is far better. Whatever present heaven is like, it'll be far better than your life here on this earth. I I can say that without knowing the details of your life. Whether you live in a mansion and had a a relatively easy, enjoyable life, or, or whether you've lived as a pauper your entire time, the riches you will find in present heaven will make your life a far, far greater experience. It's better to be with Jesus in heaven than it is to be even present in your body on this earth. Next one, Revelation 6, verse 9. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar of souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had borne, they cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood? on those who dwell on the earth. Uh, One of the things, truths you could take from this passage is that there will be a measure of longing in heaven. Uh, A present heaven, where, where we go after we die, is not your final destination. And there is still something you are looking forward to. Uh, You're looking forward to God's vindication and the final judgment to come. I think it's right also to say you are looking forward to your resurrected body and your life in a resurrected world under the rulership of your resurrected Lord Jesus. One last one, Revelation 7, 9 through 10. You will find worship there. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. And crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. What will present heaven be like? Uh, Well, undoubtedly, one of the, the chiefest joy of all will be to see Jesus face to face, to worship him, to be joined with all the other Christians that have found their identity in him and made their way to the heavenly home. And join in unadulterated worship. What will that be like? I love the Keith and Kristen Getty song, uh, There is a Higher Throne. If you're looking for a song to listen to to give you thoughts of heaven, that's a great one. Uh, It has this line in it. It says, and there we'll find our home, our life before the throne. We'll honor him in perfect song where we belong. See, brothers and sisters, there's much about present heaven that is mysterious. I I can't tell you exactly how you'll spend each moment of your experience there. Uh, I can't tell you how much you'll know about the world and what's happening here. I can't tell you exactly what our fellowship will be like. But I can promise you it will not disappoint whatever it's like. 
where you belong is with Jesus. And where Jesus is, is truly a home worth seeking after. And a home that will make up for all the difficulties of this world and then some once you arrive. I hope this week you found yourself encouraged, even lifted. If you took me up on that challenge to spend just two minutes thinking about heaven. I think that's one of the chief things we're supposed to do together as a church. Uh, You know, we have so many things that are competing for our attention each week. You've got your work responsibilities and your family. Uh, If you have time for hobbies, good for you. You go from one thing to the next and it's all legitimate, urgent concerns sometimes. But in God's goodness, he has given us at least once a week where we together come and we're supposed to lift our eyes off the things in front of us and up to where Jesus is, to our heavenly home. I I hope your experiences as you come to church on Sundays, uh, that you find your heart more full of the light of heaven, that you find yourself reminded of the reality that this world is not your home, but there is a place that is your home, and one day we'll all reach it safely together. So if you need a reason to have the motivation to, yes, make it to church next Sunday morning when when you're tired, when there's another thing that you could go to, when it's just a beautiful day outside, remember that moment, uh, maybe this week or maybe from a week past, when your heart and your mind were filled with thoughts of heaven. And remember that you need those thoughts. You need that encouragement. And you can help other Christians find the same thing when you assemble in our earthly reflection of that heavenly assembly. So present heaven, it is a place of mystery and majesty. You'll be with Jesus. You'll walk with him in paradise. You'll rest from your labors. You'll worship before the throne. You'll long for the completion that will one day be yours in a resurrected world with a resurrected body under the reign of resurrected Jesus. It's a far better existence than what you have now. And yet you still have to live in this world. So what do you do with these heavenly thoughts? Well, that's what brings us to our second point this morning. Courageous faith in verse 7. Courageous faith. Now, the way Paul wrote these verses, uh, 6 and 8 are in parallel. And then what's in the middle is on the basis of those things. Uh, There's a four there, which connects it to what came before and after. So you know that to be away from your body is to be present or home with Jesus. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by faith, not by sight. Uh, What happens when you have the hope? of heaven in your heart. It means you are to live a life of faith. Sometimes people describe faith as a jump in the dark, a blind leap that you have to make. You have absolutely nothing to go on whatsoever except this thing that has been said, and so you take this leap in faith. Now, there's an element of that that's true. Faith is rightly described as a sort of trust, and yet it's not blindness. It's actually a different sort of sight. 
Uh, I love the way that Corey Ten Boom uh, described this. She said that faith is a bit like radar. Uh, it lets you see past the clouds to things that your eyes are unable to see. Uh, faith is with spiritual eyes, seeing realities that your physical eyes are unable to see. And walking by faith means living in light of those realities. Uh, dear brothers and sisters, as much as you may desire it, your earthly eyes cannot see your heavenly home. Uh, no matter how hard you try or what sort of mountain you climb up on to meditate, your earthly eyes cannot see the kingdom of God. But by faith, you can truly know it's there. And in fact, you can live your whole life walking in light of it with the assurance and certainty that one day, your faith will lead you safely into your heavenly home. Sometimes Christians struggle with assurance, even with great, great doubts about what death will be like. If you are here this morning and you find yourself fearful of what will happen when you die, I, I want you to know you're not the first Christian to have ever felt those thoughts at all. Uh, this is a, a common affliction of our weak hearts to doubt what we can't see with our physical eyes. And, and to be frank, uh, while your, your earthly body cling, wants to cling to this life, it, it will use all the resources at its disposal to do so. And your enemy, the devil, would, would love to discourage you and fill you with dread, uh, telling you that surely those dark waters of death will consume you and you'll be lost forever. Uh, if you doubt what will happen when you die, or even if you're fearful of it this morning, please hear that you're not alone. And please know that you have reason to be confident that you will find your way past those dark waters into a welcome heavenly home, a place of rest and peace and security. Uh, one of the things that God is doing in your walk of faith is increasingly building this insurance, uh, assurance within you, uh, helping you to be ready for that day when he calls you home. And on that day, you will find a grace available to you that you weren't even aware that God was reserving for that very moment. I love the way that Corey Ten Boom described this. She, she was having this conversation with her dad and her dear papa told her that one day he might die and she needed to be ready for it. And she cried out, Papa, I couldn't bear you dying. That can't happen. And he said, Corey, when we go to Amsterdam, when do I give you your train ticket? And she stopped crying for a moment and composed herself. She said, uh, well, you give it to me right before we get on the train, Papa. He's like, that's right. I don't give it to you until right before the moment when you're going to need it. And so it'll be with your heavenly father. He gives you the grace you need right before you need it and not a moment earlier. Uh, my dear brothers and sisters, I don't know uh, how long your life will, will stretch on in this world. I don't know how difficult the end of your life may be. But I can assure you, you'll find this hope to be a sturdy one. You'll even find a courageous faith. Uh, if you lift your eyes from the dark waters of death and 
what lies beyond it, to your heavenly home waiting to welcome you into the arms of Jesus. As a pastor, I get to see people make that last leg of the journey and, and see that work that God has been instilling within them over decades often and the fruit of it near the end of their life. I remember walking with one particular brother who loved so much to sing hymns in church about heaven. Uh, and near the end of his life, many of his mental faculties were beginning to slip away. And I found this to happen more than once. As people start to forget all sorts of things about life, even names of people they love, the things that stick for Christians are often the scriptures they've memorized and the hymns that they have treasured. In his case, there was one hymn that he found great comfort in, Be Still My Soul. Uh, listen to one of the stanzas from it. Be still my soul. The hour is hastening on when we shall be forever with the Lord. When disappointment, grief, and fear are gone, sorrow forgot, love's purest joys restored. Be still, my soul, when change and tears are past, all safe and blessed when we shall meet at last. His family members, as he made the journey across the dark waters of death, were singing that song as he was ushered into the presence of our Lord Jesus. Uh, brothers and sisters, don't lose heart if you fear death. You don't know the grace that will be available to you at the moment when the Lord takes you. But take heart. Be courageous. Walk by faith. See beyond what your earthly eyes can see to the heavenly realities that will be yours. I think this reality of our heavenly home with Jesus in present heaven also has a lot to say about how we prepare our earthly homes for that day of homecoming coming for all of us in Christ Jesus. Uh, maybe you're younger. Maybe you even have young kids at home. Uh, death may seem like a long in the future sort of thing for you. I hope that's the case. But I think it's a mistake to parent in such a way that you never talk with your kids about the reality that one day you'll move out from this earthly body into your heavenly home. Uh, you know, kids are, are not oblivious to the reality that people die. Sooner or later, someone they know is going to leave their earthly body. And these questions will be asked of you as a parent. I think that's why it's a much better strategy to talk about heaven and to do so often. Author Paul Wolf says that he tried to talk with his young kids about heaven because of this thought. Uh, he doesn't want to die prematurely, but if the Lord were to call him home while his kids were maybe even young, he wanted them to be able to say, I remember daddy always talking about heaven. I remember how much he said he wanted to be with Jesus and how good it would be once he's there. Uh, you don't have to go into graphic detail about death, and you certainly don't have to try and scare your children. But make sure that they know where your hope is and where your true home is. It'll help them when they are forced to walk through grief, whatever sort it might be. It'll also be a powerful witness to them so that one day, by faith, you hope they might find their way to that same heavenly home. 
Uh, I think the other end of our lives as Christians, uh, we very naturally start to think about heaven more. Uh, As the strength of our earthly lives start to waste away, we begin to see the writing on the wall, maybe that moving day is closer than it was the day before. I was talking with one of you this week, and you sent me an email about this. I love the way you described it. You said, once you get to the stage we're in, uh, you start making purchases with the thought, I want this thing to last longer than I'm going to. I think that's a wonderful way for a Christian to think. All this stuff's going to wear out, including me. But my hope's not in this stuff. It's not in this body, even this place I've called home for my entire earthly life. I've got another place, another home. And one day soon, I will be called to it, and that will be a better day than this one. Uh, Brothers and sisters, would you, with eyes of faith, look beyond the things your eyes can see and and know that you will be with Jesus when you die. Uh, That when your life is over, you will be with the Lord, and that is better by far. What awaits you is not some ethereal, unsatisfying experience. As mysterious as it might be, it will be majestic and glorious and enjoyable and far outweigh anything you've lived through in this world. Uh, Now, if you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, uh, I wonder if you've ever thought about this idea that one day you will die. I wonder maybe even if you resonate with that idea of being fearful of what death might be like. Uh, There's religions all over the world that try to give an answer about what lies beyond the grave. In some ways, it's the most important question anyone could ask. How will I spend forever? Uh, According to the Bible, you will either spend forever in this heavenly home I've been describing, or you'll spend it under the punishment of God in a place called hell. Friend, You don't want to come to that moving day only to find that you are not welcomed into God's presence. Uh, According to the Bible, our sins are what separate us from the eternal joys of heaven. That we've all lived in such a way that we've ignored God and, and lived as his enemies. And as a result, if God were to give us what we deserved, it would be to send us away forever to experience his punishment in a place of sorrow, day and night, forever and ever. That's an awful thought, friend, and no Christian wants that to be your reality, which is why we want you to find the hope we found. It's only available to you in Jesus Christ. Uh, Jesus is the one that heaven sent to rescue people on their way toward hell. Uh, He is the perfect son from heaven that became one of us, who lived a life that is free from sin so that he could pay the penalty for sins. That's what he did on the cross. Uh, Absorbing the wrath of God so that anyone who believes in him would no longer have to dread what happens after they die. Uh, They could know that they are forgiven and that they will never experience the wrath that their sins have deserved. Uh, That same Jesus came to life three days later, coming out from the grave so that you could know that you can truly live with him forever in heaven. Uh, Friend, if you put your trust in Jesus, 
if you stop relying on your own wisdom or your works or anything else to save you for eternity, and instead trust Jesus, you won't be disappointed. Uh, you'll find the same thing that every Christian who's ever put their trust in Jesus in this saving way has found. Uh, that one day after they finish walking the winding paths through this world, and they pass through those dark waters of death itself, that there's waiting for you a place of welcome and safety and joy, a home in heaven with Jesus. Uh, friend, if you don't know how to do that or you have questions about what it means to put your trust in Jesus, I'm, I'll be available after the service. I would love to talk with you so you can have this hope in your heart as well. Now, to all of us here this morning that are trying to live this walk of faith, to be courageous knowing that heaven's light is shining in us and one day it'll lead us to our heavenly home. Uh, I hope you are pricked in your heart to share all the more eagerly the hope you have within you with those who don't yet know Jesus. It's no accident that you have the friends and neighbors and acquaintances you do. Uh, before the Lord, we need to steward those relationships. Ask yourself, am I reflecting the values and hope of heaven and the way I speak? Uh, am I treating people as if this world is not my home? And am I speaking to them in such a way that they might even find their way to the same place where I'm going, to my heavenly home with Jesus? Brothers and sisters, after this life, you will live with your Lord in the home of heaven. And that will be a better life, a joyous one of welcome and security and peace. I was struck this week by a children's story that we've read with our kids for years. It's one of those board books. It goes by the name of Corduroy. Corduroy is a pitiable toy in a department store. Uh, he's got a broken strap. He's passed over time and time again as kids come in and take the pristine, perfect toys home in their arms. Uh, Corduroy wants nothing more than to have a friend and to have a home. So he goes on an adventure looking for both. He makes his way off of the store shelf and up the escalator into the furniture section, looking for a missing button and a palace that he can live in. Now, all of his efforts turn out for naught. He ends up knocking things over, and a security guard takes him right back to where he starts, on the shelf, to be passed over another day. Only the day ahead was a different one, because a little girl named Lisa came and found broken corduroy and picked him up. And she took him to the register and paid for him with her own money. She ran home with him in her arms, she ran up the stairs into her simple apartment and brought him into her room. And there, there was a perfectly sized bed just for him. She sewed up his broken strap and she told him, this is yours. And then the story ends on this note. Corduroy exclaims, so this is home. I always wanted a home. Brothers and sisters, that, in a small little picture, is what your soul will experience on the day you die. You'll pass through the dark waters of death and find, so this is home. I've always wanted a home. 
and it's yours with Jesus. And it'll be better than any home you've had in this world. And it'll be yours forever. Let that fill your heart. And let's walk with great courage through this life. Walking by faith, not by sight. Until the day we are brought home with Jesus. Do you pray with me? Jesus, we so long for that moment of rest and peace, that moment where we are with you in paradise. And we know that our weariness and weakness are a thing of the past. Uh, we long for the joy when our voices are joined with that great heavenly assembly, when the fellowship of all the Christians that have preceded us welcomes us. We long for the time when we are able to rest from our labors and know that our joy is full and it will be with you forever. Uh, Jesus, we long for that moment even though we don't long for death. Uh, there's much about what death will bring that still weighs down our hearts. Would, would you lift us even this morning as we sing this song? Uh, would we be able to see past what our earthly eyes can see and find encouragement in the sure home that is ours in you? Oh Jesus, would you now be still our souls so we can have a foretaste of what's coming in our worship? We pray this all in your mighty name. Amen.